You are listening to Message Rewind from Discovery Church. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I love this story. Um, Numbers chapter 13. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it. We're going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. So here we go. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Haran. In the wilderness of Haran. Let's pray one more time and we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together as a community, God. Lord, like I just... Me personally, I didn't know how much I missed or needed church until it was taken away. And so the fact that we're here meeting right now means the world. And so, God, I just want to say thank you for sustaining this church through this time. God, I thank you that our best days are not behind, they're ahead. Lord, I pray that you would just speak uh, through me in this message, God. We know that your word produces fruit only when our heart is in the right condition. And so, God, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts right now to receive your word. God, we want to leave here different. We want to leave here changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone say it. Amen, amen. Hey, so I think that there are two types of people in the world. There are strappers. I said strapper. There's strappers, and then there's non-strappers. Let me explain. Let me explain. So for those of you that have ever loaded the backside of a truck, you are either a strapper or you're a non-strapper. I got to tell you, I'm a strapper, man. Like, I strap everything down. You put a 500-pound couch in my truck, I'm like, hey, we need to strap this, guys. It's going to blow out. Like, seriously, I strap everything, okay? How many of you guys are strappers? Yeah, okay. So, like, there's a majority of people raise their hand. Y'all are strappers. Come on. You're with your boy. I love it. The only problem is that there's not just strappers in the world. There's non-strappers. And these are the people that are like, nah, it'll be fine. They're like, no, it won't. Nah, it won't blow out. Yes, it will, right? Like, it's, like it's, just, it's this weird thing that some people just are born with this innate ability to be foolish. And I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> just making sure y'all are paying attention. Uh, like, there's, there's just an innate ability for people to, like, just in faith believe, hey, like, this is, it's, it, it won't fly out. And here's why I'm telling you this, because this past week, I experienced a non-strapper. And uh, so I had to return this barbecue grill uh, to, to my friend's house. And so we loaded it up in the back of my truck. This thing is super heavy. And I said to this person that I'm going to leave anonymous because Mike Peterson goes here. Um, <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I, said, I said, hey, anonymous person, um, should we strap this down? He's like, nah. This, thing's, this thing weighs so much. He said, uh, he said that uh, as long as you stay under 40 miles per hour, you should be fine. 
And I said, okay, anonymous non-strapper, I believe you. So I'm driving to his house, okay? I have my son in the front seat. I have my youngest in, in his car seat over here. I have my little girl in, in, in the back seat. So I got my, my car is full, okay? I'm driving under 40. Uh, so uh, the anonymous, per, anonymous person said 40. So I'm, I'm watching my speedometer, and I'm going 40. I'm doing what he said. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's these joggers that just ran out in the middle of the street. And I had two options. I could either hit them or I could break, you know. And uh, I was like, well, it probably wouldn't be a good testimony for discovery if, <laughs> like in the news, it's like, Pastor, nailed joggers. Um, so I stopped, okay. I stopped. I, I stopped. Put on my brakes. All of a sudden, I hear crash. The barbecue grill shattered my back window, shattered it. I have my little boy crying because he has glass in, in his sweatshirt. My little girl's crying because I'm yelling at my other kid to stop crying because I'm stressed out. My little girl thinks I'm yelling at her, so she's crying. Daddy, why are you yelling at me? And it's just chaos, y'all. All because of a non-strapper. And so now if you go out there, you'll see my car. It has nice little packaging tape over it uh, as I'm waiting for my appointment to come to get a new window. But I was thinking about this, not just to rat that person out, but uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it's amazing how him and I, we, we saw the same thing, and yet we had two different perspectives on it. Like we saw the same exact situation, and yet both him and I saw the outcome, saw, saw the situation differently. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because in our story that we just read at the beginning of our time together, this is what is about to take place. We're about to see a group of 12 men go into this place, and, there, and, and 10 of them are going to see something different than the other two. The same exact situation, the same exact season, the strapper, the unstrapper, they're seeing it, the same thing, and, and they have a different, a different look, a different output in this, in this thing. So, so here it is, we're, we, the, the verse that we just read at the very beginning of our time together, God tells Moses to do two things. Here are the two things that God tells Moses to do. He says... I want you to pick 12 men from the tribe of Israel, take 12 guys, and I want them to explore the land of Canaan. Now, we got to understand that Canaan is the promised land. It's the land that God wanted to give Israel. So God's like, hey, go out, get 12 guys, send them over to check the land out. So that's the first thing he tells Moses. The second thing, and this, this is an important part, is he says this. He, he's like, go send out these 12 people to the land that I am giving you. To the land that I am giving you. Now, this, this, this last portion that I am giving you, go to the land that I am giving you. Go to the land that I am giving you. This is very critical to our story because in that little phrase, God is establishing his will for the situation, right? We know in Isaiah chapter 55, God says that my word will not return 
void. So if God spoke it, he'll do it. And he said, Moses sent 12 people to the land that I am giving you. So he's establishing his will. He's establishing his heart for Israel. I've realized in life that you and I, we make decisions based off of two things. One of two things. What we see or what God says. That's it. You and I, every decision that you will ever go through, it's going to be based off of what you see or what God says. And in this moment, God is like, hey, I'm sending out these 12 guys to this land that I am giving you. And so they have to decide what they're going to do with what God had said. So he sends them out, right? Like he sends out these 12 guys, and they explore this land called Canaan. Uh, they're there for 40 days exploring. That That 40 will be very important at the end. Uh, we'll tie it all together. They're, they're gone for 40 days, and they come back, and here is the report that they give to Moses and the people of Israel. This is uh, Numbers chapter 13 and verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. Hold on, drink break. This is the land, or this is what they reported to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And so uh, if you read a little bit before this, they, they take this cluster of grapes that, that like this vine that took two people to carry. Like it was just, so like this, it's producing amazing fruit. And they're like, here's the fruit it produces. Verse 28, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites live in Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Budlites, the Amorites live. <laughs> Just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> you're like, wait, that's in the Bible? It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan's Valley. So the 12 spies, 40 days they're searching, they come back, and they're like, hey, let's tell you what we saw. And they begin. They're like, you guys would not believe this place is amazing. The Wi-Fi they have there is impeccable. It's flowing with milk and honey. Ah, you know, it is what it is. Take it or leave it. And... They're, they're like, this place is amazing. Like, it is bountiful. It's phenomenal. You guys would not believe how amazing this land that God wants to give us is. And in this moment, I'd imagine the crowd's like, yeah, Moses, whoa, good job. Listening to God, all right. And as they're excited about going to this new land, all of a sudden, 10 of the 12 spies are like, but, it was like that record scratch, right? 
It's amazing, but it's unattainable. What do you mean? It's unattainable. Well, it's amazing, but there's giants there. Not only are there giants, like our enemy is camped all around. So, like, it's awesome, but it's unattainable. It's awesome, but it's unattainable. I begin wondering, like, how many of us understand the complexities of these emotions taking place right now? They're like, it's awesome, but it's unattainable. Like, how many times do we read the scripture? Do you come to church and you hear the pastor like, hey, come on, God is for you. There is joy in his presence. There is peace in his presence. And you're like, yes, that's awesome. Woo! But you don't know my situation. You're like, whoa, I believe it, preacher. You're reading the Bible. He's like, he is your hope. You're like, yeah, that's awesome. But there's giants. Like, it's awesome, but it's unattainable. Sounds awesome, but it's unattainable. And so this morning, this is where our core value that we're going to be talking about kind of weaves its way inside. And, and, and in order for us, in order for these, this, this um, th what we're going to read with these uh, 12 uh, people that went into the land, they had, to, they, they, they had to have something different about them. And so our core value this morning is what we're talking about is audacious faith. Audacious faith. And here's what it says on the banner. It says, our faith will always reflect the magnitude of God. Since God is big, we will be people of big faith, big dreams, and big expectations. Listen, I want my faith in seasons and situations to be God-sized. When I'm going through something, I don't want some mediocre, small, little faith. Like, I want my faith to be audacious. I want it to line up with who God is. Come on, anyone else want some audacious faith? Like we, we want, I, I want to walk in audacious faith. And so what I want us to do in our last moments together is I want us to look at, in order for us to walk in audacious faith, faith there's three things that you and I need to embrace. And so we're going to look at these three things that you and I need to embrace in order for us to walk in audacious faith. And so here's number one for you note takers. Number one, we got to have an elevated vantage point. Elevated vantage point. Here's Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can surely, we can certainly conquer it. So the 12 get back. Ten of them are like, guys, it's awesome. Woo! But it's unattainable. And like the people are like so discouraged. Like the Israel, they're, so, they're like so distraught. They're like, oh, but, but I thought that was. And, and they're just sad. And then this guy Caleb comes, one of the 12 he comes, and he's like, wait, guys, hey, don't worry. 
We can take it. We can do this. They're just giants. Like, we can do this. And what we see in this moment is, is, uh, is Caleb, he, he's seeing the situation from an elevated vantage point. See, so many, so, like, I'll say for me, for me, it's so easy for me to look at situations like this. If this is my situation, that's all I see. Come on, there's not going to be any victory this way. Like if I'm, going to, if I'm going to step into what God has called me to, I can't see my situation like this. I got to see, I got to step back. I have to have a different vantage point. I have to see my situation, not from my perspective, but from a higher elevated perspective. Like, I have to be able to see things the way that God speaks them. I have to begin to see things differently. Audacious faith requires me to take a different approach to how I see impossible situations. I can't see it the same way any longer. I got to see it differently. I have to start seeing things from a different vantage point. I got to start seeing my broken relationships in a different light. I may see them broken, but God's speaking restoration. I may be seeing sickness, but God is speaking healing. I may be seeing hopelessness, but God is speaking hopeful. Like I have to take a different vantage point of my situation if I'm going to walk in audacious faith. Are you guys with me so far? And so here we go, Numbers chapter 14. Let's keep reading. uh, Verse 6. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, tore their clothing. Hello. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. Watch this. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. So if I'm going to walk in audacious faith, the second thing I need to embrace is a favor over failure mentality. Favor over failure mentality. So the people are freaking out. They're like, no, we can't do this. And Joshua and Caleb, they they have a different perspective and they respond to the crowd. And this is crazy because I want us to just break this down a little bit. They said, if he is pleased with us, we'll be safe. If he is pleased with us. I gotta tell you, That word if kind of throws me off. Because that word if implies there's a chance of failure. Joshua and Caleb, they're like, hey, guys, we can do this. If the Lord is pleased. Uh, Joshua, what do you mean if? (laughs) If? Like, you're a little vague when it comes to the word pleased. 
can you be more specific, <laughs> right? Like, I want more, more detail. Like, so if, please, come on, like, what do you mean? What, do, what does that mean? Is that anyone else? You're like, wait, <laughs> let's pause. Hold on. What? <laughs> Joshua, Caleb, they said, if the Lord is pleased, then we'll be safe. And that word if implies the fact there's, there could be some failing involved. And uh, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about like this, this idea that, that I, can, I can fail if, like that, that, that if, like I'm, I'm just, I'm stuck on that if. Because let's be honest, or at least for me, like if there's any failure involved, or any chance of failure, I'm like, please, step away from, right? Like, I'm like, hey, if, it's, if, if there's a chance of failing, your boy's gone. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm not even, it's just not going to happen. And, and, and so, so this idea of failing, it, it, it creeps in. And, and so now we're having to balance this idea of, of if I should, what do I do? And so, so here, here they are, Joshua, Caleb again. The, the crowd is, is, is completely bummed out about it. They, they don't know what, what they should be doing. And, and Joshua's like, if the Lord is pleased. Then, then. See, I, I have to learn to be able to step out even if there is a chance of failure. I have to learn to be able, like if I'm going to walk in audacious faith, audacious faith requires me to step out. Audacious faith requires me to step out even if there's a chance of failure. Audacious faith requires me to live in such a way that I am understanding that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I may not see it, but if I'm going to live in audacious faith, I got to believe that I could step out in faith that favor over my life is greater than the failure that I will experience. And God help me if I fail, if I fall down, favor lifts me up. So if I fail, God's there. If I fail because I'm tired, God's there to give me strength. If I fail, God is there, and he's faithful. Come on, somebody. I got to have favor over failure mentality. Come on, verse 9, and the keys can come up, and then we'll finish. He says, do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. 
So we're talking about how do you and I walk in audacious faith? Number one, we've got to have a different vantage point. Number two, we've got to have a favor over failure mentality. And number three, we've got to have a shifting of importance. A shifting of importance. So Joshua and Caleb, they're like, hey, let's take the land. God will give us the land. Woo! I don't know how many people believed them in that moment. But, but they're like, hey, let's take the land. And, and they say two things. They, they, they say this. They say, don't rebel against God. And don't be afraid of the enemy. So they're like, hey, guys, I know it just doesn't sound too good. But don't worry. They, they, they said, be obedient to God. Be obedient to God. And don't be afraid of the enemy. Be obedient to God. Don't be afraid of the enemy. And in this moment, I believe, I believe that they're, they're setting up in, in hierarchy of importance that is going to take him from point A to point B. Don't rebel against God. What does that mean? Be obedient. And don't be afraid of people. And so what they're saying in this moment, and we got to catch this, what, what, what they're saying in this moment is that they're establishing the order of importance in your life. They're like, hey, don't fear man. Well, they're so mean. Don't fear man. They're always canceling me. Don't fear man. Joshua, Caleb, they're establishing this idea. The fear of God, be obedient, don't rebel. The fear of God is greater, should be greater than the fear of man. Now let's pause because some of you are like, the fear of God, what? Oh, I thought this was a happy church. All throughout Scripture, we read about the fear of God. And can I propose to you this morning that the fear of God, more than anything, is a fear uh, that is based out of honoring Him, respecting Him, loving Him, showing reverence to Him. And so, so Joshua and Caleb, in this moment, they're like, hey, don't rebel against God. Elevate God to the highest. Fear God. Establish a fear of God in your life. And then he said, don't fear man. Here's what you need to understand. Is that the more that I fear God, the more that I elevate God as number one, the more culture, the more man or woman will begin to hate me. And I wonder if that's why Joshua and Caleb added that part in there. Like, don't rebel against God, and it's going to get hard, it's going to get rough, but don't fear man. You're going to be tempted, but don't fear man. Culture's going to try to draw you in, but don't fear man. And in this moment, they're establishing this this hierarchy of importance 
God, that I want to fear you more than anything else. And so here is Joshua and Caleb, the only two out of the 12 that were like, hey, we can do this. See, I feel like that's me in your life this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but you can do it. I don't know what giant you're facing, but you can beat him. But then there's going to be a group of 10 that's like, no, you can't. And you and me, we're going to have to decide who's going to be louder. Now, unfortunately, as we read this story, the people were so struck by fear that they actually listened to the 10. They actually were like, mm, jo Joshua, Caleb, great. Hey, you pumped me up. I feel charged. I'm very hopeful right now. But situation's too real. And so they actually didn't, they, they decided to stay put. They decided not to pursue the land. Remember at the beginning, God said, the land that I am giving you. Now here, that's what's crazy. We read in Numbers chapter 14, verse 34. It said that God told them that every day that you spent spying in Canaan, those 12 guys, will be one year that you are wandering the wilderness. They were spying the land for 40 days. Israel was wandering the wilderness for 40 years. Can I propose to you this morning that audacious faith is the timing of God. Audacious faith is the timing that God operates in. And can I propose to you that when you choose to not walk in audacious faith, you are prolonging something that God wants you to have To learn to walk in audacious faith. I gotta see my situations different. I gotta have favor over failure. And I gotta have the right order of importance happening in order for me to make audacious faith moves. In order for me to step into the timing that God has for my life and for your life this morning. Audacious faith. We will be a church that walks in audacious faith. We will be a church that bases our decisions off of God's size rather than man's size. That's why we believe that the best is yet to come. That's, that's why we believe you may be comfortable in your chair, but there will be a day when people will be flooding this place that you're going to have to give up your chair for someone. 
It's audacious faith. That this will be a home, a beacon of hope for people. That they come as they are. They don't have to believe to belong. But we know in faith that God wants to reach them where they're at. To draw the best, the greatness out of them. Come on, every chair that's next to you, we believe in faith. There's a name for that chair. Audacious faith, like behind this wall, there's names of people. We came in here, like before we even built this, this was like nothing. There's nothing here. We wrote on the wall names of people that we believe in faith will come to Jesus, be it here or wherever they're at. It seems foolish, but that's audacious faith. And I wonder this morning, what can you do in your life? What in your life needs audacious faith? Is it a relationship that's bringing you down? That you need to sever? Audacious faith. Come on, I don't want to prolong what God has, has given me now. I don't want to prolong what God has spoken to me now. I want to step in my promised land now. I want to step in what God has called me now. Thank you for listening to Message Rewind. Come back every Monday night at 5 p.m. to hear the latest message from Discovery Church.